You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. What a great start to the night already. It just hasn't been, just the atmosphere is tangible tonight. And it's great now as we dig into God's Word. Hey, uh, we've been listening to a series or going through a series called The Search. And I don't, don't, I don't know all about you, but I, I, a lot of my friends, particularly my non-believing friends, are characterized by people that are searching for something. Uh, we, we're going to look at the big topics. Last week, we we're looking at uh, the search for contentment. Uh, next week, we're going to look at the search for identity. Why is it that the modern person feels like they've got to find themselves? The final week, we're going to look at the search for assurance. How can I be absolutely sure about the things that I put my faith in? And tonight, we're going to look at the search for otherworldliness. Another, the, the biblical name for that is transcendence, the search for transcendence. And I, I find it funny because most of the time we see this search for transcendence in everyday lyrics and everyday songs that we listen to. I mean, Frau Frau, for example, in their remix of Holding Out for a Hero, said, Up where the mountains meet the heavens above, out where the lightning splits the sea, I would swear that there's someone somewhere watching over me. And then one artist writes, she says, I'm beautiful in my way because God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Gaga. Calvin Harris uh, in the song Sweet Nothing says, So I've put my faith in something unknown. I've been living on such sweet nothing, but I'm trying to hope with nothing to hold. I'm living on such sweet nothing. Then one female artist, she says, by the grace of God, there was no other way. I picked myself back up. I knew I had to stay. I put one foot in front of the other and I looked in the mirror and decided to stay. Wasn't going to let love take me out that way. Katy Perry. And of course, for, for some of the older generation here, one guy wrote, worlds are turning and we're just hanging on, facing our fear and standing out there alone, a yearning. And it's real to me. There must be someone who's feeling for me. Bring me a higher love. Bring me a higher love. Bring me a higher love. Where's that love I keep thinking of? You better count yourselves lucky I didn't play that clip tonight because I was so tempted. And of course, it was Steve Winwood in his song, Bring Me a Higher Love. Are you with me? Why, why is it that and most of these people here, they're not Christians. They wouldn't even call themselves religious people. Why is it? that so many of the lyrics of our songs and our music, like Winwood says, are crying out for something beyond crying out for a higher love. Why is that? Good question. Let's go to the Bible. Psalm 63, we're going to look at verses 1 to 6. This is a guy who is crying out for a higher love here. This is David. He says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night." 
when we go and try and answer that question, why, do, why are we always hearing this in the lyrics? The biblical answer here straight away from David in the Psalms is we're always crying out like this for a higher love because the human soul has an unquenchable thirst for transcendence, for otherworldliness. In other words, that's how you were built. You were built like that. Verse 1, he says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. It's almost like the gospel according to Bruno Mars. Remember, he says, uh, Never had much faith in love or miracles. Never want to put my heart on the line. But swimming in your world is something spiritual. I'm born again every time you spend the night. Because your sex takes me to paradise. Yeah, your sex takes me to paradise. And it shows, yeah, yeah. Because you make me feel like I've been locked out of heaven for too long, for way too long. Yeah, you make me feel like I've been locked out of heaven for way too long. Yeah, well, why does he write like this? I've looked it up. He's not a Christian guy. <laughs> but a lot of Christian words in there, isn't it? And sorry, I said the S words for all our youth crew down here. It's okay. It's a biblical thing. We'll talk about it soon. Why does he write like this? His body's reacting. Remember last week we said, C.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself desires nothing in this world can satisfy, then I can only conclude that I, I'm not meant for here. And so he writes like this because don't you see the sex, the success, the beauty, the good things which the world makes God things, makes gods in their life, they're the things that won't totally satisfy you. They're meant to take you to paradise. So he's on the right track with that because they're a glimpse. What you feel in those moments is a glimpse of what you were built for, glory with God. You're built for this. And look, Bruno's like most of my non-believing friends and family. You see, without an intimate knowledge of the infinite, and see, I, I should say that that's how we define what transcendence is. Transcendence, the best definition that I've heard, is transcendence is intimacy with the infinite. Intimacy with the infinite. The best, uh, the, 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 the best definition I had of that, you see, without that intimate knowledge of the infinite, these things, they take you to paradise, but it's never enough. And that was last week's sermon, right, in the search for contentment. That these things take you to paradise, but it's never enough. And so the point is, whether you are religious or irreligious tonight, whether you are a believer or a non-believer tonight, whether you are spiritual or unspiritual tonight, the human soul, what the psalmist is saying here in verse 1, the psalmist is saying the human soul reacts to a lack of transcendence, of otherworldliness, the same way that the physical body reacts to a lack of food and water. You can just feel it, right? It's just who we are. In fact, um, John Haidt, in his TED Talk, uh, Religion, Evolution and the Ecstasy of Self-Transcendence, he's an atheist uh, secular psychologist, social psychologist. In his TED Talk, which is fascinating, you should look it up uh, on YouTube or on the TED website. He, he, had a, he did a really interesting thing during his talk. In the, he starts his talk straight off and he says, put your hand up here if you're in the audience and you believe yourself to be a religious person. And only a handful of people put their hand up. And he said, uh, then he says, uh, put, put your hand up now if you believe yourself to be a spiritual person. And almost everyone in the room put their hand up. And he starts his talk like this. He essentially says that the search for transcendence is a fact of the human condition. 
It's an atheist. In other words, you were built for this. You, you were built to search for something beyond. That's why the lyrics are always screaming that way. And so most people agree, Christian, non-Christian, uh, believer, non-believer, that the human has an unquenchable hunger and thirst for transcendence. Now, here's the thing. Where do we go with that statement? And that's where John and I will differ tonight because he goes into evolution and he thinks it's, it's group theory that we've all evolved and we all like religion because we get together in these things called churches and and it's advantageous from an evolutionary perspective that we're religious people. And that's where we'll diverge tonight because we all agree that we're thirsting for transcendence. But where do we go with this? And so I think the, the first place that you can go tonight, and you've got a choice either which way you want to go, is you can fight it. The first thing you can do is you can fight your thirst and your hunger for transcendence. You can say, oh, I, don't, I, you know, I, don't, I don't need that sort of stuff. And that is, that's the way that the, most of people thought in the, in the 20th century, right? Back in the old days, 1900s, this century, people thought, look, you know, we, we don't need this transcendent stuff. We've got this thing called technology, which is arising. And there's lots of books on this, so look it up on Amazon. But the prevailing thought was, you know, that as, technolo- as technology would increase, then this impulse to religiosity and transcendence would decrease. Uh, that, that as we get all these new gadgets and as science explains away all of the great mysteries of the, uh, of the earth, then, then our religiosity would decrease. And why? Because they're saying, look, the, the religion's for primitive people. We had religion because people are scared of storms. We think thunder is the voice of God, but now we know that it's just various bits of rain rubbing together and creating an almighty elect- static electricity. And so there's no mystery. There's no voice of God anymore. And now that we know what thunder really is, then we're not going to be religious people. <laughs> oh, floods, you know, floods were because we didn't appease the gods, but now we can see that it's part of El Nino. And so we, we you see what I'm saying? <laughs> can you see the assumption here? The assumption of, of, of the world in the 20th century was being that, that this hunger for transcendence, for otherworldliness, it was really just because it was a response to, to our awareness that we can't control the world. <laughs> And yet, as through science, we could explain more and document more. You know, the irony is that it didn't reduce our sense and our hunger for transcendence. It just aggravated it. Just poured petrol on the fire. And, 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 and more and more people are desiring it. Look at all the different uh, ways that, that, that religiosity and spirituality has popped up post the Second World War. Joanne Beckman of Duke University She says, contrary to what many observers predicted in the 60s and the 70s, religion has remained as vibrant and as a vital part of society as in generations past. New issues and interests have emerged, but religion's role in many people's lives remains undiminished. We've got iPhones, we've got gadgets, we've got science, we've got technology, and it's still rising. A really fascinating article by this guy called Charles Blow he wrote in the New York Times, asked this question. He said, why is it that so many children of, of families that don't have a, an affiliation with a religion ended up turning to some form of religion or spirituality down the track? And so he cites this study entitled Faith in Flux, which was issued by the Pew Forum. They're out of Washington uh, on religion and public life. And they questioned nearly 3,000 people and they found that most children raised unaffiliated with a religion, later chose to join one in life. 
And he asked why, you know, did God appear in a bush? Did the grass look greener on the other side of the cross? Or was it a response to the social pressure of being in a religious society? And most of the people said that they first joined a religion because their spiritual needs were not being met. Can you see the irony? People are are more hungry today than ever for something beyond. In fact, that same same Pew Research says that over 75% of the world's population of 7 billion or more count themselves to be religious. In other words, that they believe in something beyond, that they believe in a transcendence. They're hungry. And so here's the thing, you can fight for this hunger. You can fight this hunger for transcendence. And just be aware that you're, the one, you're going to be in the minority if you do. The majority of the world's population believes in something else other out there. But deeper than that, away from the intellectual side of things, I, I put it to you that if you want to fight it tonight, you're not going to fight fair. And here's what I mean. You see, if there's no such thing as transcendence, if there's no such thing as a God of the universe above everything else, if, then there's no such thing as love And there's no such thing as beauty and there's no such thing as right or wrong. And music is just noise. And don't you dare get caught up in the lyrics of of Steve Winwood's mighty song. Don't you get caught up in that higher love. You see, you can fight against the notion of transcendence, but you are also committing to say that love is nothing but molecules bouncing around in your brain. That this feeling of joy is nothing but a chemical reaction in your head. That that, that beautiful music is nothing but noise, that this beauty is just a reaction to, of your nervous system. You see, that's what you're committing to say. And so I'm saying, look, if you want to fight your hunger for transcendence tonight and, and, and take that path, I'm saying just fight fair. And the real question is, you're more, than, you're more than welcome to fight the hunger of transcendence, but I put it to you that it's not a position that you're going to be able to hold on to for the rest of your life. So you can fight it. But you can do something else here. I call it flirting with your transcendence, with transcendence. You, you can fight it or you can flirt with it. Um, is it me? If you go to Dimmix these days, you go to the self-help section at Dimmix, and I'm not going to do the joke again. I've done that joke, that joke like five times. Listen to some of my past sermons if you, if you want to get it. But you go to the self-help section... And there is a wall full of books on different spiritualities, right? There's books on New Ageism and Buddhism and astral projection and reincarnation and astrology. And what are these books saying to you? Oh, these are all good, wonderful things. Come try this stuff out. Come, come flirt with this. And I wonder, why is it that people don't find a whole wall full of these sorts of books offensive Adimics, like people don't seem to have an issue with otherworldliness, do they? Well, we're happy to have it there. It's, it's just part of life. And I think it's because most of our world sits on this various spectrum where they're saying, look, I'm happy to recognize that there is something other out there. But at the same time, they're saying, I don't want to commit to this God of Christianity. In other words, they want to flirt with transcendence. Uh, I had a... I had a friend in Canada. She's living over there at the moment. Let's call her Judy for her namesake. Um, I'm chatting to Judy and, and I'm asking her how everything's going over there. And, and it's real tough because she's just turned up as an Australian in a brand new city and there's no one else to meet around. 
And she said, everyone is so lovely. And she gets dressed up. She's a reasonably attractive girl. And she goes down to the local bar on a Friday night. And she just says, it's just one. People just come up and just start talking to me. It's such a friendly place. And then she's telling me this story about this particular guy who took a liking to her. And she said, he was just so friendly. I like, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I just, it was incredible. And I was looking for a place. And he said I could move into his place. <sighs> And he's got a penthouse and, he, and it's just amazing. He is so nice. He says, I don't even have to pay any rent for a month. <laughs> say Judy is one of your friends. What would you say to Judy at that point? <laughs> You'd say, Judy, there, there are lots of nice guys out there, but there are also lots of dodgy guys out there. This sounds too, too good to be true. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is not every spirituality that you come into contact with is going to be a good spirituality. The Bible's real about that. There there are good spiritualities and the Bible says there are evil demonic spiritualities. And there's no point talking about transcendence in a room like this tonight if we're not going to recognize that there is a deep and a very real spiritual realm to our Christian faith and to the world around us. In fact, Christianity exploded because, not because of its doctrines and because of its practices and because of its church. Christianity exploded because this guy, Jesus, comes into the world and he starts healing people and he starts casting out demons and people go out and start praying over people and, and crazy stuff ha- starts happening in the name of Jesus. And they start proclaiming that he is the most powerful of all of the spiritualities in the universe and Christianity explodes. The Bible's real about it. And friends, you, you, it's harder in the Western world here, but you only have to go to Indonesia to go to Asia. You see cultures there that understand the spiritual nature of the world that we live in. They're not going to deny that the world is not a spiritual place. And so what I'm saying is when, when you're flirting around with spiritualities, <laughs> when people come bounding up to you and say, you should try astrology, you should try this or try that, all I've got to say tonight is how can you be sure that the spiritualities that you are searching for or that you're involved in right now are going to help you <laughs> or harm you? You've got to be careful flirting with the transcendence. And see, here's the other thing too. That's one aspect of it. But what else is flirting? What else is flirting? You know what flirting is? Flirting is wanting to enjoy the very best aspects of a relationship without the commitment, right? That's what, at least that's what I thought it was. I asked my wife. She says, I'm hopeless at flirting. She's a very direct girl. Luckily, she married me. But I'm, I'm hopeless at flirting. But apparently that's what it is. And see, I think people treat the transcendent God exactly the same way that I'll flirt with him. I want all the good things from God. I want, all the, I want the nice feelings. I want to feel wanted. <laughs> I, 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 want, I want the butterflies in the stomach with God type stuff. But I'm not sure about committing to the God thing. And that's why the psalmist David gets this exactly right, because he says in verse 3, uh, verse 2 and then on to 3, he says, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. So what he's saying is, I've tasted the butterflies. <laughs> But I'm not going to flirt with you because he says, because your love is better than life. You've got to understand the context. This was a guy who was out in the desert being hunted down by one of his own sons who wanted to kill him in order to be king. And, you know, most of us, when we come to know this God and we're in a time of crisis, we're crying out to God saying, save me. 
Why, why is it that so many people pray when they're in crisis? Save me, God. Even your religious people. Save me. Come into my life and help this life that I've got. And yet the psalmist here, he doesn't cry out, save me. He says, if I know you, God, and I understand you, God, then that's better than life itself. Right? And, and so he's saying it. That a commitment to God is the ultimate goal of transcendence, not the feeling itself. And that's what I mean when you talk about this otherworldliness, this God of the universe, this God who the sun is like a little freckle on his forearm and he's got Pluto wrapped around his finger and the entire universe is his playground. And a God of that vastness and this magnitude and even knows you down to every single hair of your head. I've got to ask you tonight, is that the sort of God that you ask into your life as your personal assistant? Is that the sort of God where you say, look, now's not really a good time for me. You know what I'm saying? Don't call me, I'll call you. Is that, he doesn't, the God of the universe doesn't flirt with people. He's not a flirter. He's after commitment. And I've got to ask you tonight, if, if you're flirting with transcendence, is, and particularly when it comes to Christianity, is the issue with Christianity because it's improbable? Is it really because you're going, oh, I can't understand all this stuff? Or is it because it's too personal? Too much commitment required. You just want to flirt. You just want the feelings. <laughs> so you can flirt with transcendence. How do you know with what you're flirting with will not hurt you? How do you know that the spirituality is a good spirituality? More, but more importantly, there's no intimacy without relationship, right? So you can either fight it, you can flirt with it, or there's the Christian way. What do you do with this hunger for transcendence, for this otherworldliness? The Christian way says you can fill it. It's possible to fill it. I don't know about you. I was down at uh, Darling Harbour a couple of months back, and we were walking around the Commonwealth Bank buildings there with all those new restaurants, and... This incredible smell just started to waft up into my nostrils. I knew it could only be one thing, Brazilian barbecue. And have you ever found yourself when, you, when, you, when it just it hits you and you walk in one direction, your head just sort of goes the other direction. You're sort of, sort of hooked by the nose and you just begin to follow it. And I got the point with Kristen where I thought, we've, we've got to have that for dinner. I want that. You know, when you smell that too, like at the instant that it happens, all your tummy juices just start. It's starting to happen now, isn't it? You know, you're thinking, have we got dinner on tonight, Mikey? No. Okay, Brazilian barbecue next, next week. That's what I'm putting out. Well, let's do church dinner Brazilian barbecue style. Because it's already happening now, isn't it? Your tummy just, there's an unconscious reaction to what you're smelling. It's, it's just, uh, it just happens. No. If you are, here's what I want to get at tonight. If you are skeptical about the whole God thing, if you're skeptical about the whole transcendence thing, the whole spirituality thing, I just need to ask you tonight, can you smell it? Have you, have you, had, those, have you had those spiritual tummy rumbles? Have you, have you had a glimpse like Bruno Mars at one point in your life where you could just sense that there was something more than this world? 
That's, that's, all, that's all I'm saying. Or another way, are you becoming conscious, maybe even in this message, and this is how we know God's active in this place, that even in this message you become conscious that you, you don't know where the smell's coming from, but your tummy's starting to rumble. Your spiritual tummy's starting to rumble. You see, tonight, I, this is not a message on whether I'm trying to argue whether or not God exists. This is not a message that's trying to convert you straight away. This is a message that's saying I'm asking whether or not you've felt it, whether you've felt it in a relationship, whether you've felt it in a, a sunset that was just unbelievable, whether you've felt it in that peace piece of music that just took you to another place where you felt it in a piece of art that you just couldn't stop looking at if you felt the tummy rumblings that's all i'm asking tonight i'm saying to you if you felt it will you follow your nose will you stay with us a little bit longer will you hang out with us a little bit longer will you check it out a little bit longer Because just you know, why, why do we have the tummy rumblings? Because we're built for it. Food's built for us and we're built for food. And if you're having spiritual tummy rumblings, it's showing you that we are built for God Almighty. So if you're sceptical, can you smell it? But I also talked to the Christians tonight, Christians, brothers and sisters. What I realised tonight too is that it's one thing to follow your nose and to sit down at the table. It's another thing to chew. I mean, you can, you can follow that all the way into the Brazilian barbecue and you can sit there with the big thing on the funny skewer type thing. You can sit there and stare and look at it. Your tummy can be rumbling the entire time. It's one thing to sit at the table. It's another thing to chew. And here's what I mean. Is there joy in your life? Is there otherworldliness in your life? Is there wonder in your life? Is there a beyond in your life? Could people say that's what characterizes you? Could people look at your life and say, they're not meant for here, that person. There's something about them, but they ain't meant for here because they're just on another planet. You see, I think too often for us Christians, we, we can sit at the table and we don't chew. There's no joy. There's no electricity. There's no otherworldliness about it. We know the doctrine. We know the practices. We know the principles. We know how to turn up. We know how to pray. We know how to do all that sort of stuff. But we're never eating. We're never filling our hunger for transcendence. And how do I get it? I'm glad you asked. You've got to get on your bed. You've got to do some bedtime. Right? Sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, verse 6. <laughs> on my bed, I remember you, says David. I think of you through the watches of the night. You've got to do some bedtime. You've got to chew. You've got to chew on what it means to experience God. It means experiencing God's transcendence is not an accident. You just don't walk into it. But it's a discipline. It means if you want to be satisfied by what you are smelling, you need to chew your food. The, very, the reality is that, 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 that God, God's truth will often flow out of a spiritual experience. But more often than not, a spiritual experience flows out of God's truth. Right? So many people go chasing the experience and not the truth. If you chase the truth, you'll get the experience. You've got to chew Christians, you've got to chew your food. And it means you've got to get into the Bible. And I'm not saying just read the Bible to say, yes, I've ticked, up my, I've ticked off my plan. You've got to sit there in a spot and say, I, I will praise you as long as I live and in your names I'll lift up. And you have to ask yourself the deep question, what does that look like for me? And wrestle with that and say, what does that mean for me when I don't feel his transcendence? And I don't feel like worshiping God. How do I wrestle with that? That's chewing. That's your bedtime. <laughs> 
Friend, if you're a Christian, if you're calling yourself that, if there's no beyond, if there's no joy, if there's no other worldliness to you, then maybe you're smelling and you're not chewing. There's no intimacy with the infinite. So as I finish tonight, look, here's, here's a question. Are you searching for the other worldliness? Are you searching for transcendence? Because there's one key difference you need to get tonight before you walk out these doors. You see, can you see what the problem is? When we say that transcendence is intimacy with the infinite, the problem is how the heck do you get intimate? And that's right. Like the connotation of that word means you're getting pretty close. How do you get intimate with the unknowable? How the, how the heck do you get intimate with the transit, with the unknowing? And that's always been the problem of the major religions and spiritualities of the world, of Buddhism and Judaism and Islam. You know, the problem is how do you relate and experience the unrelatable? And the secret is in verse 1. Verse 1 of this passage here in Psalm 63, David says, Oh God, you are my God. You are my God. Now, that's a funny way to say things because, you know, I could say about my wife that that, that's my Christian. She's my Christian. It denotes a level of intimacy. But there's another way to use the my. It's like if my little boy, Zach, when he gets old enough to speak, I'm hoping that he's going to say the words, that's my daddy. (laughs) That's my daddy. And and what what that's going to represent is when he says that's my daddy in his case, Even though he totally doesn't get it yet, I am totally obligated to him. If I don't move and if I don't feed him, he doesn't live. When he runs around the house and and he'll go crazy, uh, I'm the one who has to pick up. When I want to go and watch Rush, the latest movie at Hoyt's Cinemas, and he's got a pooey nappy and he's crying, he's screaming, he's sick, I don't go to the movies because I'm obligated to him. And here's the point I'm trying to make here. There's no, there's no relationship between a lesser and a greater party unless there's infinite cost to the greater party. It costs me for Zach to one day say, that is my daddy. You can't have relationship with a bigger party than you unless it comes at infinite cost to the greater party. And so you want to know how you get intimate with the infinite? You know what? You know how that happens? There has to be infinite cost to the infinite party. And isn't that what we talk about every time we sing the cross stands above it all? That, 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 that unlike all the other religions which are still searching in the world in terms of what this unknowable, transcendent, infinite God means, we have these guys called Christians here on earth that say, I know what the infinite God looks like. It's a God who comes and he lives and he breathes and he enters into relationship and eventually he's killed upon a hill and he's on a cross with nails through his hand and he's bleeding for me. And he, at the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know what happened just then? He got locked out of heaven. He got locked out of heaven. So if Bruno wakes up one day and realizes that he feels like that, that a Christian can say to him, you haven't been because Christ got locked out for you. Not at just some cost, but at infinite cost. There's no relationship with a greater party unless it's at infinite cost of the greater party and so christians that's why david he 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 was already preaching the gospel back in the psalms but it's why for you and i tonight don't ever let us walk out of this place and underestimate the significance of saying that's my daddy it cost him so you could feel the wonder and be filled for this yearning that we call transcendence friends 
if you were searching or if you're just searching tonight, if you're searching all the other spiritualities and gods out there, can I ask you, the question you've got to ask yourself is, what did it cost my God to love me? Christians say it cost my God everything. And that's why I love him. And that's the amazing thing about Christianity when it comes to this abstract. I don't know, it's been a weird concept tonight for us to talk through. This weird concept called transcendence. You know, every other religion, you go searching all of your life for the infinite. And yet in Christianity, (laughs) to be a Christian is to wake up and realize that all of your life, the infinite's been searching for you. If you want to be satisfied tonight... (laughs) If you want to be satisfied, you'll, need, you'll know how you'll be satisfied because you'll know by whether or not you can say to yourself that you thirst for a God or you thirst for my God. And this guy called Jesus, who we believe to be God, said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go spiritually hungry and whoever believes in me will never be spiritually thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe And all those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven, from another world. Not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Friends, if you can smell it, you need to chew. You need to come to the table tonight. You need to come to him. Come to Jesus to fill your transcendence. Let's pray.